chapter seven of my life the story of a provincial by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter seven autumn came on rainy dark and muddy the season of unemployment set in and i used to sit at home out of work for three days at a stretch or did various little jobs not in the painting line for instance i wheeled earth earning about four pence a day by it dr blagovo had gone away to petersburg my sister had given up coming to see me radish was laid up at home ill expecting death from day to day and my mood was autumnal too perhaps because having become a workman i saw our town life only from the seamy side it was my lot almost every day to make discoveries which reduced me almost to despair those of my fellow-citizens about whom i had no opinion before or who had externally appeared perfectly decent turned out now to be base cruel people capable of any dirty action we common people were deceived cheated and kept waiting for hours together in the cold entry or the kitchen we were insulted and treated with the utmost rudeness in the autumn i papered the reading-room and two other rooms at the club i was paid a penny three farthings the piece but had to sign a receipt at the rate of two pence half penny and when i refused to do so a gentleman of benevolent appearance in gold-rimmed spectacles who must have been one of the club committee said to me if you say much more you blackguard i'll pound your face into a jelly and when the flunkey whispered to him what i was the son of polozhnev the architect he became embarrassed turned crimson but immediately recovered himself and said devil take him in the shops they palmed off on us workmen putrid meat musty flour and tea that had been used and dried again the police hustled us in church the assistants and nurses in the hospital plundered us and if we were too poor to give them a bribe they revenged themselves by bringing us food in dirty vessels in the post-office the pettiest official considered he had a right to treat us like animals and to shout with coarse insolence you wait where are you shoving to even the house-dogs were unfriendly to us and fell upon us with peculiar viciousness but the thing that struck me most of all in my new position was the complete lack of justice what is defined by the peasants in the words they have forgotten god rarely did a day pass without swindling we were swindled by the merchants who sold us oil by the contractors and the workmen and the people who employed us i need not say that there could never be a question of our rights and we always had to ask for the money we earned as though it were a charity and to stand waiting for it at the back door cap in hand i was papering a room at the club next to the reading-room in the evening when i was just getting ready to go the daughter of dolzhikov the engineer walked into the room with a bundle of books under her arm i bowed to her oh how do you do she said recognizing me at once and holding out her hand i'm very glad to see you she smiled and looked with curiosity and wonder at my smock my pail of paste the paper stretched on the floor i was embarrassed and she too felt awkward you must excuse my looking at you like this she said i have been told so much about you especially by dr blagovo he is simply in love with you and i have made the acquaintance of your sister too a sweet dear girl 
but i can never persuade her that there is nothing awful about your adopting the simple life on the contrary you have become the most interesting man in the town she looked again at the pail of paste and the wallpaper and went on i asked dr blagovo to make me better acquainted with you but apparently he forgot or had not time anyway we are acquainted all the same and if you would come and see me quite simply i should be extremely indebted to you i so long to have a talk i am a simple person she added holding out her hand to me and i hope that you will feel no constraint with me my father is not here he is in petersburg she went off into the reading-room rustling her skirts while i went home and for a long time could not get to sleep that cheerless autumn some kind soul evidently wishing to alleviate my existence sent me from time to time tea and lemons or biscuits or roast game karpovna told me that they were always brought by a soldier and from whom they came she did not know and the soldier used to inquire whether i was well and whether i dined every day and whether i had warm clothing when the frost began i was presented in the same way in my absence with a soft knitted scarf brought by the soldier there was a faint elusive smell of scent about it and i guessed who my good fairy was the scarf smelt of lilies of the valley the favourite scent of anyuta blagovo towards winter there was more work and it was more cheerful radish recovered and we worked together in the cemetery church where we were putting the groundwork on the icon stand before gilding it was a clean quiet job and as our fellows used to say profitable one could get through a lot of work in a day and the time passed quickly imperceptibly there was no swearing no laughter no loud talk the place itself compelled one to quietness and decent behaviour and disposed one to quiet serious thoughts absorbed in our work we stood or sat motionless like statues there was a deathly silence in keeping with the cemetery so that if a tool fell or a flame spluttered in the lamp the noise of such sounds rang out abrupt and resonant and made us look round after a long silence we would hear a buzzing like the swarming of bees it was the requiem of a baby being chanted slowly in subdued voices in the porch or an artist painting a dove with stars round it on a cupola would begin softly whistling and recollecting himself with a start would at once relapse into silence or radish answering his thoughts would say with a sigh anything is possible anything is possible or a slow disconsolate bell would begin ringing over our heads and the painters would observe that it must be for the funeral of some wealthy person my days i spent in this stillness in the twilight of the church and in the long evenings i played billiards or went to the theatre in the gallery wearing the new trousers i had bought out of my own earnings concerts and performances had already begun at the ajogins radish used to paint the scenes alone now he used to tell me the plot of the plays and describe the tableau vivant which he witnessed i listened to him with envy i felt greatly drawn to the rehearsals but i could not bring myself to go to the ajogins a week before christmas dr blagovo arrived and again we argued and played billiards in the evenings when he played he used to take off his coat and unbutton his shirt over his chest and for some reason tried altogether to assume the air of a desperate rake he did not drink much but made a great uproar about it and had a special faculty for getting through twenty roubles in an evening at such a poor cheap tavern as the volga 
my sister began coming to see me again they both expressed surprise every time on seeing each other but from her joyful guilty face it was evident that these meetings were not accidental one evening when we were playing billiards the doctor said to me i say why don't you go and see miss dolzhikov you don't know maria viktorovna she is a clever creature a charmer a simple good-natured soul i described how her father had received me in the spring nonsense laughed the doctor the engineer's one thing and she's another really my dear fellow you mustn't be nasty to her go and see her sometimes for instance let's go and see her to-morrow evening what do you say he persuaded me the next evening i put on my new serge trousers and in some agitation i set off to miss dolzhikov's the footman did not seem so haughty and terrible nor the furniture so gorgeous as on that morning when i had come to ask a favour maria viktorovna was expecting me and she received me like an old acquaintance shaking hands with me in a friendly way she was wearing a grey cloth dress with full sleeves and had her hair done in the style which we used to call dog's ears when it came into fashion in the town a year before the hair was combed down over the ears and this made maria viktorovna's face look broader and she seemed to me this time very much like her father whose face was broad and red with something in its expression like a sledge-driver she was handsome and elegant but not youthful-looking she looked thirty though in reality she was not more than twenty-five dear doctor how grateful i am to you she said making me sit down if it hadn't been for him you wouldn't have come to see me i am bored to death my father has gone away and left me alone and i don't know what to do with myself in this town then she began asking me where i was working now how much i earned where i lived do you spend on yourself nothing but what you earn she asked no happy man she sighed all the evil in life it seems to me comes from idleness boredom and spiritual emptiness and all this is inevitable when one is accustomed to living at other people's expense don't think i am showing off i tell you truthfully it is not interesting or pleasant to be rich make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness is said because there is not and cannot be a mammon that's righteous she looked round at the furniture with a grave cold expression as though she wanted to count it over and went on comfort and luxury have a magical power little by little they draw into their clutches even strong-willed people at one time father and i lived simply not in a rich style but now you see how it is something monstrous she said shrugging her shoulders we spend up to twenty thousand a year in the provinces one comes to look at comfort and luxury as the invariable privilege of capital and education i said and it seems to me that the comforts of life may be combined with any sort of labour even the hardest and dirtiest your father is rich and yet he says himself that it has been his lot to be a mechanic and an oiler she smiled and shook her head doubtfully my father sometimes eats bread dipped in kvass she said it's a fancy a whim at that moment there was a ring and she got up the rich and well-educated ought to work like everyone else she said and if there is comfort it ought to be equal for all there ought not to be any privileges but that's enough philosophizing tell me something amusing tell me about the painters what are they like funny the doctor came in i began telling them about the painters but being unaccustomed to talking i was constrained and described them like an ethnologist gravely and tediously the doctor too told us some anecdotes of working men 
he staggered about shed tears dropped on his knees and even mimicking a drunkard lay on the floor it was as good as a play and maria viktorovna laughed till she cried as she looked at him then he played on the piano and sang in his thin pleasant tenor while maria viktorovna stood by and picked out what he was to sing and corrected him when he made a mistake i've heard that you sing too i inquired sing too cried the doctor in horror she sings exquisitely a perfect artist and you talk of her singing too what an idea i did study in earnest at one time she said answering my question but now i have given it up sitting on a low stool she told us of her life in petersburg and mimicked some celebrated singers imitating their voice and manner of singing she made a sketch of the doctor and her album then of me she did not draw well but both the portraits were like us she laughed and was full of mischief and charming grimaces and this suited her better than talking about the mammon of unrighteousness and it seemed to me that she had been talking just before about wealth and luxury not in earnest but in imitation of someone she was a superb comic actress i mentally compared her with our young ladies and even the handsome dignified anyuta blagovo could not stand comparison with her the difference was immense like the difference between a beautiful cultivated rose and a wild briar we had supper together the three of us the doctor and maria viktorovna drank red wine champagne and coffee with brandy in it they clinked glasses and drank to friendship to enlightenment to progress to liberty and they did not get drunk but only flushed and were continually for no reason laughing till they cried so as not to be tiresome i drank claret too talented richly endowed natures said miss dolzhikov know how to live and go their own way mediocre people like myself for instance know nothing and can do nothing of themselves there is nothing left for them but to discern some deep social movement and to float where they are carried by it how can one discern what doesn't exist asked the doctor we think so because we don't see it is that so the social movements are the invention of the new literature there are none among us an argument began there are no deep social movements among us and never have been the doctor declared loudly there is no end to what the new literature has invented it has invented intellectual workers in the country and you may search through all our villages and find at the most some lout in a reefer jacket or a black frock coat who will make four mistakes in spelling a word of three letters cultured life has not yet begun among us there's the same savagery the same uniform boorishness the same triviality as five hundred years ago movements currents there have been but it has all been petty paltry bent upon vulgar and mercenary interests and one cannot see anything important in them if you think you have discerned a deep social movement and in following it you devote yourself to tasks in the modern taste such as the emancipation of insects from slavery or abstinence from beef risoles i congratulate you madam we must study and study and study and we must wait a bit with our deep social movements we are not mature enough for them yet and to tell the truth we don't know anything about them you don't know anything about them but i do said maria viktorovna goodness how tiresome you are to-day our duty is to study and to study to try to accumulate as much knowledge as possible for genuine social movements arise where there is knowledge and the happiness of mankind in the future lies only in knowledge i drink to science there is no doubt about one thing 
one must organize one's life somehow differently said maria victorovna after a moment's silence and thought life such as it has been hitherto is not worth having don't let us talk about it as we came away from her the cathedral clock struck two did you like her asked the doctor she's nice isn't she on christmas day we dined with maria victorovna and all through the holidays we went to see her almost every day there was never any one there but ourselves and she was right when she said that she had no friends in the town but the doctor and me we spent our time for the most part in conversation sometimes the doctor brought some book or magazine and read aloud to us in reality he was the first well-educated man i had met in my life i cannot judge whether he knew a great deal but he always displayed his knowledge as though he wanted other people to share it when he talked about anything relating to medicine he was not like any one of the doctors in our town but made a fresh peculiar impression upon me and i fancied that if he liked he might have become a real man of science and he was perhaps the only person who had a real influence upon me at that time seeing him and reading the books he gave me i began little by little to feel a thirst for the knowledge which would have given significance to my cheerless labour it seemed strange to me for instance that i had not known till then that the whole world was made up of sixty elements that i had not known what oil was what paints were and that i could have got on without knowing these things my acquaintance with the doctor elevated me morally too i was continually arguing with him and though i usually remained of my own opinion yet thanks to him i began to perceive that everything was not clear to me and i began trying to work out as far as i could definite convictions in myself that the dictates of conscience might be definite and that there might be nothing vague in my mind yet though he was the most cultivated and best man in the town he was nevertheless far from perfection in his manners in his habit of turning every conversation into an argument in his pleasant tenor even in his friendliness there was something coarse like a divinity student and when he took off his coat and sat in his silk shirt or flung a tip to a waiter in the restaurant i always fancied that culture might be all very well but the totter was fermenting in him still at epiphany he went back to petersburg he went off in the morning and after dinner my sister came in without taking off her fur coat and her cap she sat down in silence very pale and kept her eyes fixed on the same spot she was chilled by the frost and one could see that she was upset by it you must have caught cold i said her eyes filled with tears she got up and went out to karpovna without saying a word to me as though i had hurt her feelings and a little later i heard her saying in a tone of bitter reproach nurse what have i been living for till now what tell me haven't i wasted my youth all the best years of my life to know nothing but keeping accounts pouring out tea counting the halfpence entertaining visitors and thinking there was nothing better in the world nurse do understand i have the cravings of a human being and i want to live and they have turned me into something like a housekeeper it's horrible horrible she flung her keys towards the door and they fell with a jingle into my room they were the keys of the sideboard of the kitchen cupboard of the cellar and of the tea-caddy the keys which my mother used to carry oh merciful heavens cried the old woman in horror holy saints above before going home my sister came into my room to pick up the keys and said you must forgive me something queer has happened to me lately
End of chapter 7. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.